Welcome to the Game Junction Podcast. We'll be discussing all the hottest gaming news and pop culture news this week. Pretty good. <clears throat> Going great. Fantastic. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, yeah. So we've got a ton of news this week. Um, absolutely crazy. It was pretty hard to try to keep up and, and uh, figure out what to put in there. So uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and get started with... Um, sort of an overview, I guess, of what we're doing this episode. So we are going to try to talk about the, the top news, essentially. Um, there was a lot of, I guess, B-level sort of news that happened. And um, I want to hit some of that, too. But I want to make sure we're, we're kind of hitting all the top stuff. And there's just so much to talk about. It's, it's absolutely unreal. I can't believe that we are at a point in time where we're getting, you know, 10 news stories a day on video games. Could you guys have imagined that, you know, 15, 20 years ago? It's it's pretty remarkable. It's exciting to to see everything that's been going on in the industry. A lot of the things are bad, though. I got to say that. A lot of the things we're seeing are bad, but they're news nonetheless. So it's always fun to talk about. Yeah, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of bummer stuff this week. I mean... Uh, kind of, kind of sucks. There's, there's been a lot of bad news here recently, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we've got also a few new segments that we're gonna have this week, and Kurgle suggested one, so I'm excited to to check that out. So outside of news, we've got sort of our our headline news and some bigger news, like our main stories that we can dive a little bit more into. Um, so we said a little. New kind of format to check out and see if you guys like for this episode. I think it'll be cool, but I think it'll be great to have um, some different segments, too, to touch on different things in, in the gaming world and uh, pop culture space. And, you know, we've even with with Lay, especially in his show, you know, very heavy. He does everything, but very heavy on the, the movie stuff. And it's been cool to talk about a couple of those, you know, major things. So we definitely got... Um, this sort of set out to to work a little bit different, and I think uh, I think it'll be fun this week. So we'll go ahead and, and dive up into this, and we've got first the Persona Three Reload gets some major backlash on the trailer because it was a live action trailer that fans dubbed to be absolutely terrible. Um, I assumed you guys watched that trailer. Yep. <laughs> Thoughts. There's a reason why there's so many bad bad things about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, where where do you start? It's it's one of those things like it. If you don't nail it on the head, like you know, let's say One Piece, it's really hard to crawl out of that. And I don't know, it, it's gonna be rough for them when they finally go out with it. I mean, the thing is like. That trailer didn't represent the series or game at all, I don't think. And, like, I played the original Persona 3. I'm a fan of the series. It's not one of my favorite in the world, but um, I've, I don't even... Like, what were they thinking? And it had a little bit of production value to it, too. So, like, it went through a few people to, like, approve this trailer. Like, people thought it was good, and I'm thinking, what, what the heck is going on here? This is an absolute winner. Yep. 
Everybody's going to love this. Post it. It'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? You think it's going to win an Oscar? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. It's going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the opposite universe for sure. <laughs> a Razzie. Yeah. yeah. So why, why, why go with the live action instead of the, the traditional type of trailer? That'd be the big question I would be asking on it. I think it's one of the, the things that Netflix started with One Piece, which was received really well. Um, I honestly was 50-50 on it. I actually decided not to watch it. But to a lot of fans, the One Piece live action actually hit the nail on the head. A yeah. lot of people liked it. You know, so I think it's just one of those trends that big companies try to go for. And they're like, okay, people are into live action. Let's try to adapt anything and everything into live action. And then it backfires on a lot of projects because there's not enough passion. There's, you know, to them, it's a number on the paper. So they will just make it assuming that it's going to make a lot of money. Um, that would be my take. Yeah, I'd say it fails more than it succeeds. I mean, I guess live at the the one piece works i think i watched about the first four or five episodes before i got i just i didn't hate it it just other stuff was i was watching at the time and it it did good but it's also being a fan of one piece and i'm still in the process of catching up it's taking forever i i see it and i, I like luck. it I'm like eh, they're shorting some yeah. things here cutting some stuff it makes sense for the live action but as a fan of the series i'd rather just watch the original series but i get if it's done well it could hopefully pull in non-fans but I mean, if they're not going to get fully invested in the series and they're just going to watch the live action, I don't know if it's fully uh, accomplishing what it sets out to do, which is essentially bring more overall fans into the fold. Here's sure. a problem, though, with that, Mark. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of One Piece as well. Um, that is not an easy series to recommend. I read no. 129 chapters of the manga somewhere around there. And I've watched about 400 episodes, and I'm still missing, what, like 800 episodes or something crazy? It's over 1,000 at yeah. this point, right? Yeah, well over. Okay, so who 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 in their right mind has the time to, to get through that entire story with, you know, 15 yeah. different story arcs? So I get, I, I get it. it. It makes sense to me. However, um, we've seen anime um, movie adaptations be just as bad as video game adaptations over history. Dragon I mean, look Evolution. at Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, don't mention Death that Note. No, as that's sin. the greatest movie ever. I don't know what you, you oh. guys are huffing something. You're wild and on that joking. one. I'm obviously joking. <laughs> just, just for the fun, fun fact, though, I will tell you what, it, what good came out of that. There's a PSP game that is a top-tier fighter. It is a really good fighting game. Like it, it, it's competitively played because you can use the ad hoc mode, and people are still playing it now. Like I still see there's like competitions out there. Obviously, it's a niche thing, but it's a really, really good fighter, and it, it it's reminiscent of the um, Street Fighter, the movie, the game for Sega CD. I don't know if you guys know about that one, but uh, yeah, there was a Street Fighter movie game, and it's also really good. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess there's there's always something good out of bad things. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll have one last thing to say on it is as far as because I don't know what the Persona Three how it's actually going to look. The trailer was sketchy at best, but as far as the the One Piece is, I'll say this: it did 
like uh, my dad, because I, I ended up watching with him because he's like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's watch it. He saw like the, the trailer for it. Somebody who would never really watch anime watched that and found some level of enjoyment. I mean, he enjoyed watching it. So, but I don't pass. Just I watched it one time. I don't know if it's he's probably never going to dig into it. That's Not it. Knowing the daunting task of the thousand series and how many chapters with the manga there are. That's interesting. Knowing your question. dad growing up, uh, that he would watch One Piece. But gay, Kurgle. I was gonna say like the ultimate goal, like if if it is to bring new fans in realistically do they like want to sell more merch like what is the end goal for somebody who can't i mean i don't know like is there that much value to bring somebody into the actual like episodes i'm trying to see it from a business perspective and i and i don't get it well <laughs> yes yes because um the one p- so with crunchyroll um i i mean i don't have a subscription to it anymore but i know i i remember reading the news stories that one piece jumped up to the top three of their charts it was hitting like two and one and and three over time when that series launched so yeah it did it did bring people in and i assume the same with the manga because that's far ahead of the the anime even i i I can't even tell you how many chapters of the manga there are like i i guess because i don't know how crunchyroll does their stuff but was that jump new fans watching it or old fans deciding, hey, I want to rewatch it and compare the series? Was it actual jump? I mean, I guess if the live action continues to make the live action makes money and they make more, that'd be the only really way for them to retain an audience that really doesn't have an interest in the in the animated aspect of the of the series. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Um, I mean, to get back to the Persona Three Reload, though, the game does look genuinely really good. Um, I, I can recommend the original Persona 3. It's it's a little harder to go back to. Uh, when the Shin Megami Tensei remaster for Switch came out, I went back and checked out just a little bit of, of some of the older Personas. I played Persona 1, 2, and 3. I spent maybe like five hours each. Of course, they're, they're long games where you can invest hundreds and hundreds of hours into those games. Um, but I was curious to go back and see how they held up. And it it holds up okay. Um, so I think this is needed. I think it's cool. And I mean, the collector's edition sold out, so there's definitely market interest for it. So I don't know what that live action trailer did, if anything, but uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. So I guess to get into the first thing, because well, I will be straight up. There's a lot of Power World discussion this week. There's there's a few really big topics, and I guess this is sort of like headlining news. Plus, there's still sort of main stories with it because there's a, a lot of avenues going on with this game. But I guess the first thing would be that over 5 million copies in two days, in three days, sold. And that is Steam sales. This does not include Game Pass which was free if you have a subscription. And I imagine that the Game Pass subscription players were far above that. We don't have a number, though. Mm, it's hard to tell because I, I did read that apparently the Game Pass slash Xbox version did not run as well as Steam version. Yeah. So that's that would be interesting to see because, you know, if one side of the player base has a really good time the other one is miserable because it's not optimized or whatever that's gonna definitely bring their numbers down but yeah it's pretty crazy how well they're doing for sure 
Yeah. Every day I've opened Instagram, there's been a new post about Power World, either about a mod, how much money it's made, players, this yep. entire week. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I mean, we haven't had a game hit mainstream in this sort of level, I feel like, as with sales-wise, plus you have Game Pass in a very long time. Um, it's weird because this is the sort of thing that Pokemon usually does. Like we usually see these type of numbers from Pokemon, which makes sense for Pokemon. But with Scarlet and Violet, um, it was a different story because people saw the reviews of, hey, this this runs terrible. Fun game, but it, it runs really bad. Um, still runs bad. Yeah, still runs bad. Like they, they were supposed to, to fix that. But um, these are like Pokemon numbers. So for... I guess it's technically like an indie game, right? This would technically be yeah. an indie game. Yeah. Okay, so this is insane and and could potentially be the best-selling indie game of all time. So I, I just say it shows that there's a market for these Pokemon games that if Game Freak actually put love, care and actual money into their games that should look like this, they would actually sell well. It just shows that they just continue to put out mediocre games that make money and they don't really care. They the last like two series of uh, two gens of games just kind of felt soulless after a while where it's like, Hey, it's an open world game, poorly optimized. It feels at least for me, the Scarlet about at times felt really empty. And this just feels like a game. that's like, well, why can't, I think the bigger question is why can't uh game freak make a game like this with all the billions of dollars that they have? Um, and that's that's a good segue into the whole thing with AI and how you know the company behind Pal Worlds got accused of, of you know copyright infringement. You know they're using AI this and that, but at the same time, you know people are saying like they only worked on the game for two years. Um, people don't understand that they had a lot of background with their titled at first it didn't it didn't blow up it did really well which is craftopia and which is essentially a breath of the wild clone that was made into something like arc right and they took that base and they built upon it and they probably used ai i mean you can't blame them if, if they did um as long as they haven't been stealing art which you know People say like, well, it looks exactly like Pokemon. And Brandon and I just talked about it. Um, it's interesting to see because, in a way, cop imitation is the, you know, the the highest regard in a sense or flattery to the original creators because you inspired somebody to do something different, right? And when they do it better than you, then you get you know all upset. So it, yeah, it's funny to see. Um, I don't know. I, what do you think, Brandon? What, which Pokemon did it remind you of when you saw that? Um, you mean like the actual creatures or the game? Yeah. No, no, the creature that you told me about. So I saw one of the creatures, and it'll be in an upcoming video. I actually I captured footage of it. I saw one of the pals, their pals, um, look exactly like Eevee exactly like eevee like as if the assets were like completely taken from pokemon um the only thing that were changed were, were like the collars um which like if you know anything about pokemon um there's like shiny versions of them 
So it was almost like they took like the shiny version, which I forget what the colors for the shiny of the EV is, but um, it, they they took that and basically the face structure was just mildly changed, and I was like in shock when I saw that playing the game. I was like, holy crap! Like it le- legitimately looks like EV, and I get where people are coming from with um, the comparison to all the creatures. I think that the here's the problem, right? So. AI is a great tool. We talked about it last week. We even talked about it the week before. It's just, it, it's it's hot in the gaming world and in all media. But the thing with AI is that they're only pulling from things that already exist. They're not creating technically anything new with the AI that we have access to and these companies have access to. They're pulling from things that have all, you know, been made and are basing it around those ideas. So it, it's almost hard to not say that like yeah it pulled assets from pokemon it had to have um there's there's some that look like digimon there's a few i saw like i saw one that looked like agumon um there were some that looked like they were straight out of monster rancher uh which were all these type of games that are like pokemon i mean you even had like dragon quest monsters some of them look like that like if you look up comparisons and pull up the full list of pals and and you look at the list of these other games you'll be blown away at like how close that some of them are. And I imagine that if AI was used, which I don't know that they'll ever come out and say that for sure. Um, oh but God, no. yeah, I mean, that would be devastating for them. Um, but I, I would, but I would I mean, think, but I mean, would it actually, cause I don't know. I work in software development and, Basically, the name of the game now for anybody, and I feel like for video games too, is like if you're not on board with AI and the efficiency it can bring with certain like tedious tasks, you're out. You're going to be phased out. Somebody's going to push you out. And I feel like it's been a controversy last year, and just now people are understanding that it's just what you have to do in order to survive as a company. And I feel like it sucks for artists. It sucks big time for artists. Graphics designers, uh, any type of artist, right? Even music is getting ruined right now by AI in certain segments. Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, smart artists and artists that want to be around are not going to hire a producer. They're not going to hire, I mean, obviously, then you're like eliminating other subjects from the story. But if you're smart and if you're a business driven person, you will say, okay, how can I utilize this to my advantage? And I feel like if news came out, like everybody knows they already used AI, right? It's pretty obvious, right? We can be all on board with that. If news came out like, oh, they used AI, they even made a they made an AI game. Um, I need to pull it up now. It's gonna bug me if I don't tell you guys. The the farming game you're talking about, Farmtopia. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's Craftopia. It's Craftopia. Uh, it's AI art imposter. Mm. Um. AI Art Imposter is an AI drawing party game for three to eight players. You're a progressive artist who commands AI to generate images, and you don't need aesthetic talent to draw good artwork. It only takes five minutes to play, and multiplayer between Steam, Android, and iOS to support it. So they're obviously like cool with using AI as a base for their freaking game, right? Where does it pull from? It pulls from the internet. Where does the internet pull from?
Well, we, how many, how many companies already do that? If it's if it's a fine, is it really illegal? If I can just pay to make the problem go away? Yeah, it's just it's just a there's a price check behind that. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I just think you have to uh, you have to accept like AI. You, either you're gonna embrace it or you're gonna fall behind. Like it's there, it exists. People are gonna use it. Are you are you able to adapt? Because that's that's going to be the future. Yep, I agree with that. I mean, like, there's there's no way of getting around it. It's the same thing with like the physical media stuff. Like, unfortunately, no matter what we want to happen, like it, you just kind of got to go with the flow. It's it media in general has always and tech has always been making massive improvements. That's instantly generated into all forms of media, music, video games, TV, like you see these, these technical improvements and they're implemented right away. And AI is just another, another piece of tech that that's been invented and is going to be, um, implemented. And, uh, whether it's for better or for worse, you know, coming up with a couple of the discussions we have, um, it could have, you know, potentially, potentially been a part of that as well. But we've also got, um, this week now, this is a, this is a pretty interesting one because I've not heard anybody talk about it yet, but there were the 13th annual um, New York Game Awards took place, and I popped in the part of the live stream, checked some of it out, and I mean, it's an established award show that unfortunately it seems like doesn't have the type of funding that you know, the Game Awards has, and um, that's unfortunate because you know it, it's cool to see these other companies be able to um, give awards to these games as well and have different opinions and people that aren't biased and, and based out of, you know, mainstream sort of media. But what was interesting is that um, the way that they presented it and, and showed it on their live was kind of cool because they've got, of course, Baldur's Gate three winning uh, one of the game of the wars or game of the year awards, but also a game called Honkai Star Rail. Which was one of them that oh was, God. yeah. Um, and I don't know much game. about that. Okay, that's a mobile game. It's like so a, it's a waifu simulator. It's the best way to say it. It's funny because my friend just tried to get me to to play it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's a fun little game. It's like you know, in between, you know, what's that other waifu game? Genshin Impact and um, I can't remember. There's the a lot of them, but." It, yeah, basically a couple of similar games, and it was funny because um, he was just telling me about it, and I looked at it, and I was like, ah, I don't know, man. There's so many games by Tencent and other Chinese companies that are just being pumped out to, like, you know, take all of your money. And you see gotcha what Brandon was saying, like, it's funny. to it, It's not funny. It's fun to see a different, like, Games Awards show that's not just shoving ads down your throat because they became so big that, you know, it's more about sponsorships and stuff than it is about video games. So, hmm. I'm uh, I'm gonna check that out for sure. Yeah. Reference to Raid Shadow Legends. Oh no, yeah. It's, I see more ads. No, explain it. God. Well, that that's. I mean, it works for them. They got whales that support that. They wouldn't do it if it wasn't profitable. I can tell you that much. But that's true. It's. Yep. I was re- I was referencing this year's Game Awards show. Um, that was basically turned into a massive, you know, ad. Always, and, and you know, they were shoving, 
I don't feel. Did you guys feel like it was like like that last year though? Yes. Last year I feel like they gave the yeah. developers more time than they did this year. They they did. Well, Me mean, and Mark streamed it last year too, and you had the same opinion, right? Like you felt that way as well. They gave him a little more time to speak. Uh, I think we all know who ruined that because he could not shut up. Yeah, last year, yeah, yeah, last year, what's his name? He came back again as a joke. Judge? Yeah, it was yeah. too yeah. long. He spoke for forever, and it was like, dude, I don't care. Yeah, I Literally. mean, he burned last Call year. of Duty, so I'm he's in high regards for me. Yeah. He's a good actor. I like him. He yeah, spoke yeah. way too long. Ah, but they probably paid him to do that. I'm sure he didn't just fucking... They have programs. They rehearse for these things, right? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. All, it's all planned out. Like, there's... The, Negative backlash was like everyone was like this. This this speech was too long. Yeah, so they, they they forced them to you know shift route. Anyway, we're jumping out of uh, <laughs> out of track again. Well, the, uh, the you were saying about the show. Yeah, so the other one to to win the big award, which um, I think I haven't got to play yet, but um, it seemed to have gotten high praises was Alan Wake two. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys have played, but it was up for a bunch of nominations at the Game Awards. But if I remember correctly, it didn't win anything, it, did it? It did. It won. It won um, best. Oh shit! What was it? Some weird Not category, best right? Best story or something like that, right? I think okay. it was story. Okay. Yeah, they won a, a pretty major segment. Okay. And so. the founder or whatever the CEO, he was talking a bunch about it. Um. Interesting. Yeah, pretty good. yeah, so I mean those were the the three big ones from that, which is which is interesting. I mean, um Tears of the Kingdom got nominated for three categories versus just one for the game award. So that was uh I mean cool, but it didn't win anything, which I think it should have, but that's just my opinion. So Alan Wake won best game direction, best art direction, and best narrative. Oh geez, okay, it won three. Yeah, yeah, best. Yeah, I knew it was something regarding the story. Yeah. Oh, it best, seemed like people really liked it. Yeah, it, it it really did seem like people loved it. Um, I was on a stream, a New Year's Eve stream, and everybody on that show hated it. <laughs> so I was like, I, I was like talking about it like it was, you know, probably like a good game. I was like, I heard great things. Like it seems like it's really good. I want to grab it when it's discounted. And they're all like, No, nah. like it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. The first game's a masterpiece. This game is a walking simulator, is what they were saying with a flashlight. So I don't know. But indie game that won was Asgard's Wrath 2. So that was the other thing. And Hi-Fi Rush took best music direction. So more of the same award. I did I don't know. Did Asgard's Wrath 2 win anything at the game awards? Uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't even know anything sure. about that game. If I'm, I'm, I played the first one, but I, I don't know anything about the sequel. So, Super Mario Brothers Wonder won best kids game. Cool, I guess. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So, interesting stuff. Nice. Uh, I've seen no coverage on this event. So, oh yeah, it That's, didn't. How many concurrent viewers did they have when you joined in? Uh, there was like three hundred and some people. So nothing crazy, but it looked like they were multi-streaming too. So, uh, and it, oh, potentially sure. to more than one channel even. So I, I don't know, just on YouTube when I popped in for 15 minutes, that, that's what I saw. So 
Uh, obviously not a massive show because it's not getting that sort of attention, but I figured I'd bring some light to it considering it it's not getting that attention and maybe it should. So we've also got... as well. What is it? It was the 13th. Yeah, 13th. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what I thought was weird that like this is thirteen years deep. It's it's been around longer than the Game Awards. So is it a part of like a some kind of organization, maybe a university or something? Because it might be like one of those things where they started as a project and you know it kind of stays steady. People like it and they just keep doing it. It had that know, vibe. It had that vibe. Yeah, maybe maybe it's not. You know, maybe its main goal is not to just be straight up big show. You know? Yeah. I mean, how many of these awards existed, but the VGA is the one that caught steam and everyone just accepts as like the main one. Yeah. Because mm. it's got all the backing and it's mainstream media, That's, you know, picking the game. Yeah. So <laughs> That's kind of what you need for it to be mainstream. Yep. And the ads, the good old ads. But we've also got, which I am very excited for, super, super excited for, uh, Tekken 8 releases this week and um it i have seen nothing but raving reviews um i've seen that people are saying it's the best since two which has always been regarded as the best in the series um it got a lot of 10 out of 10s i saw people saying it was a perfect fighter um so take it as you will there were you know some like mainstream outlets but also some like youtuber um content creator uh, reviewers and, and people covering it. What are you laughing about? Uh, I'll tell you in a moment. Just okay, yeah, let's, let's tell me now. I want to hear now. Right. I'll, I'll forget like, in a okay, moment. Let me check, let me check um, the Steam reviews. So it has very positive rating right now. It released yesterday, um, and it already has over 2,000 reviews. And Jeez. so I'm reading. I always like to read reviews on Steam because I feel like people are so honest and blunt and steam reviews yeah. that yeah. oftentimes it's it's a very good indicator i love watching youtubers talk about video games but at the same time sometimes i just want to read these comments because this shit is gold um <laughs> first review says start the game jen speaks japanese Leroy speaks <laughs> english they understand each other best game 10 out of 10 and then 10 10. and and three three reviews under says all caps i'm not gonna sugarcoat it i'm hard <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious people i mean it, people just it, they seem to enjoy it they seem to enjoy it a lot um it's it looks like it stays true to to their you know format and it's one of those things like with fighting games i feel like it's is is a very niche audience it's a very uh established audience right and they don't they don't necessarily want like crazy improvements right obviously you're gonna do what you're gonna do with graphics wise but um it doesn't seem like they they ask for a lot when it comes to to fighting game fans yeah um so people seem happy it looks good and and the thing that's different with tekken is it's not like most fighters and the fact that it's a 3d fighting game so it's not your standard 2d um sort of style of game it's like that well, it's it's the sort of fighting game where you can like switch your stances and switch almost like the sort of mode that you're fighting in, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. it's in a 3D space versus like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat that are 2D and and have traditionally all 2D, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because generally 
3D fighters do not get rated nearly as well as 2D fighters because they aren't as high in the competitive space for some reason. I mean, I guess I get it because as a fighting fan, I don't like 3D fighters as much as I do 2D fighters. I feel like it's it's um much you have a lot more control over 2D fighters and I, I don't know what well, yeah, it is. It just but adds an, a, another element. I feel like yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you played like is Killer is Killer Instinct another three D one? No, it's or actually two D. Yeah, it's actually two oh, it D. Yeah. I feel like they just use a lot of effects, and I, I never played it. They, so that's what they I was do. Wondering. Yeah, that curious. that remakes. I, I, did you guys see that that remake? They are putting up. It's like fifteen years old at this point. Twelve years, something like that. They are releasing like a new edition of it where. If you already had the game, you get free upgrades, but they're like revamping it. They're adding in that. Um, I forget what it is, but it's for like the the delay for online fighting so that you don't have that sort of. Um, so you don't have a delay. I forget what the term is called, um, but they added in like new fighters. They unlocked all the fighters for people that, you know, didn't have all the DLC. Um, they made like a massive improvements to it. And it's still played competitively, so now it it's like bumped up, which is really interesting. But uh, I was I was reading just like a quick thing here on um, PC World gave uh, Tekken Eight Editor's Choice Award, and the pros are suitable for everything from beginners to professional gamers. Top notch controls, graphics, and sound. Large and varied character gallery. Cons are several classic fighters are missing. The story is more crazy than understandable, and most things were here before. So, and their verdict was that it is a great game, an improvement on the predecessors, and it's not a revolutionary sequel, but all the improvements make Tekken 8 a must-have for fighting fans, whether you play it to be the best or just for fun. So, yeah. I think it looks cool. I mean, I definitely want to try it out. Did you guys play Pokemon Tournament? Did any of you guys play that? The Pokemon Tekken game? Not a not a fighting game. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting because that one takes the switching styles of playing. Like, they, they go full force with it where you'll play as a 2D fighter and then somebody can like hit, like reach a meter or something and then switch to the 3D fighting realm. Like, in battle, like real time, so it's 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 really like complex in that way, and I'm surprised because that's a Pokemon uh, Tekken game, but that that's interesting stuff. So uh, that that just really it just released right yesterday. Twenty fourth, twenty fourth. No, never mind. That's no, I think it was yesterday. No, I'm thinking different. Tekken is on the twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, you can grab you can grab that now, and uh, looks it looks to be uh, pretty good. Looks like we uh, also got some Diablo 4 Season 3 feedback. Kurgle, you know a little more about this than me? Yeah, I was excited. I was like, I started Season 1 and I leveled three characters. And I was like, yay, Diablo looks amazing. It's made for seven-year-olds, but it's cool. So it ran smooth. It was great. Um, it was not complex at all, which I like about ARPGs. Um and then, you know, season one was eh. And I was like, I'll wait. And then season two came out. And it was like a little better, but I didn't want to really commit my time. I said, I'm going to wait another season. Yeah. And I saw the announcements for season three. And I was like, hey, they're moving in the right direction. They're actually listening to the player base. And 
as always, I like to give it a few days because, you know, uh, nowadays companies just want to release day one patches and shit. So I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to download it right away. And I watched my one of my favorite streamers and he's like, what is this dog shit? <laughs> and it was just, <laughs> it was, it was literally basically what they did is they took the, you know, in ARPGs, they make these things basically called leagues. And every time you're playing through the campaign again, and you're leveling character, they make some balance changes, they put a new mechanic or whatever. And what they did this season, for some reason, is they thought it was a good idea to put the league mechanic right from the level one. So by the time you level up, you're like, okay, I play through the whole thing. I was like, okay, I'm done, you know. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to invest my time in Diablo this season. So, yeah, played on launch, um, was really excited, played through three different characters, spent probably over 100 hours on the game, and then ever since, never turned it back on. So, yeah, they got some harsh feedback, and I don't know. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, Diablo any, 3 is... Any Diablo? Yeah, I played it. it. It's It's gotten a lot of bad feedback. Um I mean, I think for good reason. I think it's gotten better. I don't know anything about season three. I don't know if I'll go back to it or not yet. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I played it when it came out, and I just didn't care for it, and I kind of dropped it like halfway through the story. Are you on PC or on console? I played it on console, oh, but okay. I played Diablo three on console. And I I don't know. I enjoyed Diablo three far more than I did playing Diablo four personally. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Diablo 2 fan. Me too. Um, I I always loved and I have so many great memories of Diablo 2 and I'm still clinging on to that hopelessly <laughs> cuz you know I saw Diablo 3 when it came out and I had no desire to play it. Um and then Diablo 4 came out and I was like, "Oh my god, like they're going back to like the dark theme and you know, very creepy mood and then it, I was like, "Great, this is going to be amazing." And then, you know, Blizzard being Blizzard nowadays, a shell of the of their former selves. Um, they ruined it. Yep. Yep. Blizzard uh, seems to mess up a lot of stuff these days. I, I too, am a, a big uh, Diablo 2 fan. I, I liked 3 as well. I liked it more with the expansions. I'm trying to think of the very last one that came out. I've got, like, the... Reaper Souls? Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed that. I felt like it would... It gave a sort of return to form, um, but my my excitement with Diablo Four too was that it was going for a very dark theme, um, the whole hell and demon stuff and and all that. I love that that sort of theme, so I thought it was going to work great for it because it's called Diablo. <laughs> so, you know, I I was I was pretty excited, but um, I I didn't hate it like most people. I I had fun with it. Um, I might go back to it to try the season three. We'll see. But Baldur's Gate, man, it just it 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 wipes over Diablo big time. It's just it just does. Strive to be. It's it just. I mean, does, they are very different. They're very different games, but you can still, you know, people say like you shouldn't compare apples and oranges, but sometimes you should, and this is a perfect example because you see how much passion and effort went into Baldur's Gate three, and I'm nearing the end of my journey in Baldur's Gate three, and it's like one of. Ever since I was a kid, probably one of the best gaming experiences I've had in like probably a decade. Yeah, easily. You're streaming. You you're the- streaming that now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I'm, so. I'm, yeah. I was gonna say you can feel the the love and energy that was put into it compared to sure. 
Blizzard's like, ah, we only care about the bottom line. That's I mean, look about. at Diablo Immortal. Like, that would, that would fan outrage Shameless. on that. Uh, did you guys? Grab. Yeah, it, there was so the streamer that I watch, and he's a little bit of a degenerate, but it's, he's really fun. <laughs> um, his name is Quinn69, and basically, um, he spent $25,000 oh in God. Diablo Immortal to get this, like, most upgraded gem or that, whatever he some counter-strike much- stuff right there csgo yeah yeah he was like he was like i'm gonna see how much money am i gonna need to spend so you guys don't have to spend it for me to get this like top of the line gem or whatever right and there's there's not that you can get this one gem you can get 10 of those gems on one character so it, it just blew my mind what a shame i mean that that whole announcement was a disaster you know Oh the, god, the, the outrage! Lead, the was... lead director, yeah, the lead director is like, "Oh, we have a new Diablo game," and then he goes, like, he, they boo them, and then he's like, "Oh boy, you guys don't have phones." I was like, "Shut up!" Oh it's my, the worst they're so PR disconnected. Oh yes, I, that has to be the worst moment. You know? So bad, so bad. Yeah, I mean, I tried it too. Did anybody actually play it? Like, give it a go at all? I played it. I, I leveled know. two characters to, to max level. Ooh, yeah, I didn't play I, it that I, much. But I'm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm like that. I will play something that I hate just so I can have a good grasp on it myself so I can use my platform to tell people don't fucking spend time and or money on this bullshit. Like it's terrible. Starfield. Um, I, I thought I, <laughs> I, I said the word. I said the word. This is my yeah, my blood pressure just I know. Off. I know every time I say it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I uh, Blizzard's they are not making um, good moves right now. They are in a tough spot. It's unfortunate. Like I picked up Diablo Four. Um, I didn't play it until a week after it came out. I put up this poster I have here from GameStop. I was super excited. I'm a big fan of the series in general, so I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'll put that up. That's really cool." It, you know, I love the series. And then I played it. And I'm like, "Man, this is like, it's not a, a terrible game, but like, God, this is a disappointment." That's what I thought. I was disappointed. I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't good, and it didn't hold my attention like like other games. And I mean, we had a crazy year last year, so it, it I could I barely finished any games because it was game hopping. Like honestly, like I still got to go back and finish the very end of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I got maybe three hours in the RPG. Um, it, it, there's just so many drops last year that you know it, it made it pretty difficult to to get through games unless you're you're dedicated to one game and you know doing it that way uh carl uh said in the chat he said baldur's gate saints row reboot and just bought this horror game the chance steam sales we're actually going to get into a, a segment with that so yeah yeah interesting and edwin popped in here and said hello as well um so we've also got um the game in shrouded early access release. So I've seen minimal stuff about this. Um, Kurgle, do you know a little more about this? Because I, what I saw, I, I I didn't see much. I didn't see too much about this. I've not kept up um, with this game. Basically, to paint you a picture, this game is. Riding the wave of, I would say, Valheim in a different way. And if nobody knows what Valheim is, it's a survival game set in like the Nordic um, mythology. And 
folklore and it's basically like a hardcore survival experience it's difficult has bosses yada 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 um but it actually next to Paul world it's do it's been doing really well and i feel like they did much better than they anticipated to do um and i just thought it was it was nice to see um you know the the they had like a alpha release and it received really well and then now they like flushed it out and it almost looks like a better version of the um lord of the rings uh, mines of moria i think is the name of the game um and it's just an exciting time for everybody that plays survival games so yeah i i i don't know i i don't know if anybody here played or not um it's, yeah, it's, ni- it's refreshing. It's refreshing to see. It's it's nice to see after so many disastrous releases that we see these indie companies come up with games that actually feel meaningful, feels like you can kind of sink, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours and feel good about yourself. It's pretty actually cool. Actually decent. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting nice. too to see um, because, I mean, early access in general it seems to be there's always been sort of backlash that companies kind of release that way um but i think for certain games especially indie developers if the game is fleshed out enough to play then it sort of makes sense and it it seems it doesn't matter with power world and and now in shrouded so you know i mean it's working yeah i mean i feel like if you're if you're going into it with the mindset of I'm paying to be a beta tester, I don't I don't feel like that's wrong, right? Um, as long as you're realistic with yourself and understand that you're gonna get a product that's still a work in progress, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think there I think it it is good morally. I don't know, but the people that do decide to help developers make the game into something that players want, I think that's a plus overall. I think it's a net positive for, for the industry. Because if you look at it that way, right, you have, do you want somebody like Blizzard to release you a game that nobody wants, right? Or do you want a game that you as a player actually want? Um, that's at least the way that I see it. I feel like, you know, more power to them if people are willing to pay for for beta release and give feedback and they actually listen to it. I think that's good. Yeah. So yeah, most definitely. Be. So yeah. uh Lay's gotta pop go. off, yeah. right? So we'll we'll go ahead and let him go and, and uh move on to the next topic. Right. Thank you for Watch hanging you out. Enough, guys. That's all right. Keep it keep the conversation going and uh I'll see you guys on the next one. All right. We'll Sounds see good. you next week. See you next week. See ya. So we've got um Final Fantasy fourteen live action TV show cancelled. What the heck? What a Bummer, man. That seemed like it could have actually been cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like it wasn't pushed out there like that to begin with, and maybe because they uh, were having having these issues behind the scenes. I mean, it was... I, f- I feel like they talked about it during COVID. They, they did. That's, they for that's sure the did. Reason- yeah, that's the reason why it got canceled. Is just COVID kind of trumped all of their p- plans. Um, pretty much couldn't get it off the ground, at least in a state that everyone agreed with. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. I mean, it sucks when a project has to be scrapped, but 
sometimes i mean that that's the thing like if somebody cares about a franchise you're not gonna let persona 3 happen <laughs> uh, maybe maybe i'm biased i don't really <laughs> care nor do i want live action and like if i want to enjoy the story i'll just play the game but that's that's uh that's me personally i find it interesting yeah, definitely a preference uh, Carl in the chat, this is a little off topic, but he was, I asked earlier what everybody was playing, and he said that one of the games he's playing is the, the Saints, Ro- Saints Row reboot. And uh, he oh, likes it, not perfect, still prefers two. So, might be the first person I said, I've heard that enjoys the game. <laughs> I gotta talk to him tonight on stream. <laughs> he um, is one of the guys that plays Baldur's Gate 3 with me, and, um, he usually has a good taste in games, but I guess not tonight. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, have a little chat on that one. He asked about the uh, CGI uh, Final Fantasy movies, Advent Children. Um, that that was a really good one. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those, but highly recommend. They're, they're, they're really I good. one, but I've never watched it. It's just sitting on my shelf collecting dust. Yeah. Probably Collector's like, dream. Yeah. The dust is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think it's honestly what's weird to me is that they picked Final Fantasy fourteen of all of them to to Isn't try to make a lot. Li- yeah, well, it makes sense actually because it's a live live service game, um, and they probably have the most up to date players that are gonna care for the franchise, right? that are going to watch the show. And then also because it is a live service game, they can always expand the story. Like, you know, like World of Warcraft, right? It just keeps going and going and going and they always, you know, figuring new things out. So I think it makes sense. Even though I know like what the Final Fantasy VII is like the one that's, you know, everybody loves. It gets overhyped. I I feel like, I don't know, man. I feel like almost any other, if they started from... Honestly, like the beginning of Final Fantasy, that would have been kind of cool because I really love the early games and they were more fantasy. Um, you know, they got kind of crazy later where it became more tech involved and futuristic. And I mean, you look at like 15 and the way that it it was portrayed, like there was no, it felt like no elements of Final Fantasy one through six at all in, in that game. Um so I I don't know I I haven't played a lot of fourteen just because I'm not an MMO guy, uh, but I did watch some videos on the story just so I could be sort of up to date and eh I don't know that's how I I just kind of uh, on it so it's not for everybody um, but I I feel like personally it makes sense that they did um that they did fourteen for sure. If you're trying to tap into that user base, like as if you make a oh for sure a standalone story now that that it has to stand on its own two legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a, so, a strategic business approach to it. Don't do the old Final Fantasy movie. Well, with that said, we're going to go ahead and get into some of the main stories, and we touched a little on some of this earlier, but not the um, not this part of it. Um, so the Pokemon company released a statement regarding Power World. Inquiries regarding other companies' games 
We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in the game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that will infringe on intellectual property rights related to Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon in its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. And keep in mind, this is a translation from the the Japanese Pokemon Twitter. So um, take that as you will with the translation. But it sounds like corp corporate speak for we have to make a statement because people are, are bringing it up 100% yeah you're it, telling me yeah. because of with the any kind of advertising I think the studio that made power was based in Japan is no they didn't already know about this and Nintendo and Game Freak's infamous like how aggressive they are when it comes to lawsuits we knew about this two years ago so the, the game started then and we knew then that it was going to be called Pokemon with guns like that was the the sort of slogan people were giving it because of what we saw um so I yeah corporate speak for sure but what's really intriguing is a that Pokemon has never the Pokemon company has never really made statements like this regarding other games or other situations like this before because there's been a lot of Pokemon clones I mean I played one last year you got to think about how many of those projects or games were worth it to them to sue, right? They weren't. Like, Pal World probably racked in so much money that they're not thinking about it as, you know, we're losing money. They're thinking probably about we want to settle for a price that's going to allow us to skim some of the top, right? I feel like that's that's their goal. Um, because in reality, they didn't want to think about it. They are you know, they probably saw it on their radar and they're like, nobody's going to buy this or whatever, right? And then once it actually hit, they they're probably had like an oh shit moment with the management. I'd they, say this, with this game doing as well, I think it it's due time that they started having pressure to actually make a game that plays and works well. Mechanically as well as it doesn't feel soulless. Which, you're, talking about, you're talking about it as a Pokemon game? Or are you talking well, about... No, as like a, direct competition with Pokemon as, hey, an indie studio with a fraction of your staff and budget could make a game that rivals what you make and oh, or sure. probably some areas yeah. it performs better. Yeah. It, it, to some degree it kind of embarrasses, you know, Nintendo and Game Freak for like oh, the for, sure. for how pit, uh, piss poor their 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 last uh, game was. As it should. Yeah, there's actually something said. I was trying to find it. Um there was a statement made that they will be putting more work into their next Pokemon effort. Um, it doesn't mean it's, you know, we obviously have a new mainline on the way. Um, that is probably already far into development and, and ready to launch for Switch 2, uh, probably within the first year, I would say, because they're on a yearly uh, cycle with Pokemon games right now. They have been. They had Legends Arceus. They had the... Um, Diamond and Pearl remakes, um, and then not even counting like the spinoff games. Like those don't. I, I'm not even counting towards that. Um, but they've had like the yearly big releases for Pokemon now. And my assumption is, I, I can't find the exact statement. Unfortunately, I wish we had it in the notes. But they did say that they are improving their efforts for future Pokemon releases. And I doubt 
that's going to be for the next game. I, I, I mean, hopefully it's already like a polished game that they've been working on, considering they'll have beefier hardware and a new system. But um, they, they, they got to do something um, because they, it, it, the, the track record for Pokemon essentially is that every single Pokemon release is sold more than the last until Scarlet and Violet. Um, and I think that's just because of the feedback that people saw the reviews and they're like, all right, well, I guess I'll hold off on this entry. Maybe, maybe I'm not playing a mainline Pokemon game this generation. Um, so, but I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things like the same with call of duty, right? It's something people really liked. They're like, okay, this is working. Let's just keep with the same formula. And then eventually they got lazy and they got so uninspired because they just had to make less and less effort um, to just push a product out, right? And they're just hitting their quotas. That that's all it is, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right with that, and it's it's unfortunate. Like I I still have enjoyed um, Scarlet and Violet, but it the, the performance issues, man, is just a it's a wreck. Like it it's it runs bad the glitches in in the game that you see, like I'll see my Pokemon go through the wall. I still have a screen recording, Mark. You might remember me showing you this because I also did it Is on when you fell I, through the world. I fell through the world and was swimming in water that you couldn't get out of, water that you're not supposed to see. That's like underneath the world. So you could see everything on top and you could see like this extended world where they like started development and didn't do anything with it. And I've still got the footage for it. I, I should do something with it sometime. But um, yeah, like it, it was that bad. Um, and they said there's going to be performance patches. They promised performance patches. I have not yet bought the DLC. I still plan to because I like the game. Um, but I hear that it actually runs worse with the DLC. So it, it's the only Pokemon game I've I've yet to beat, and I don't even want to go back and play. That's how much I didn't enjoy the game. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, like Power World, I think draws a better comparison to Legends Arceus to me. The way that you play that game, it, you don't have the standard Pokemon battles. You don't in Power World. You you throw the balls to catch them, and that's it. Like you run around the world, like you can you you fight in the open, but you just send your Pokemon to them, and you don't like engage in a turn based you know sort of battle. Um, yeah. So I think like people keep drawing the comparisons like Scarlet and Violet and like other standard Pokemon games. But uh, I mean, Legends Arceus was anything but a standard Pokemon game. It was like the first game we had like that, where it was like an open world, open world ask because it was open areas that you still had to go through certain spots, but it had the first open world elements that we've ever had in a Pokemon game. And it did it well. I mean, that game, that game's good. That's a polished game. So it's not as big and I'll say this from when I played it, and I, I I did see aspects of it where even being segmented, you're like, it's not completely like I don't know the hardware issues. There are some limitations where like if you turn this fully open world, like I don't know how well this is going to actually perform. I did see hints of that when I played it where it didn't always run perfectly, even in that semi open world game. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that they, yeah, there's hardware limitation for sure. Yeah, I mean, one reason, like, fun, fun fact is like, there's, um, I don't know if you guys ever played Del Sex, but the original game was made for PC, and then um, Del Sex Invisible Infinite, what is it called? 
Is it Invisible War? Not sure. Yeah, it's Invisible War. But um, Deus Ex 2, which is Invisible War, that was the first in the series that was made for Xbox. And because Xbox was so hardware limited, they had to literally cramp the game and make it smaller and make it have infinitely more loading screens. So, yeah, it's it's probably what what was bugging them. Um, we do want to mention the the layoffs too. Um, yeah, we should yeah. have probably mentioned it earlier um, with the whole Blizzard Blizzard rant. But um, basically, Microsoft is laying off nineteen hundred people. Um, so that's something nice to talk about. It's not nice, but we should talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because I did a whole video, what what was that, like um, two weeks ago at this point, and there had already been, no, it was the 8th, it was the 8th, so there had already been three company layoffs, one of them being the big one was Twitch, we talked about that, um, yeah. and then, of course, there was the VR studio, uh, what was her name, I can't remember, that did the Doom 3 VR um, and then there was another big one. What was the big one that had the layoffs that like what that that was like the the big big news. Um uh, Bungie? Yeah, Bungie. Bungie. Bungie had those layoffs as yeah. well. And and what's crazy is that this is Microsoft. Like it, it's under the, the Blizzard banner, but this is this is Microsoft and that is not good. That I mean that that does not good praises for Microsoft right now. Um, I mean, but also you gotta, you know, you gotta consider the fact that this is a business. They acquired three big studios over the last three years. And then what happens is you have the overlap of certain like higher up management positions. I'm sure there's also like lower end staff, but basically from the email that Phil Spencer sent is he said that, um, as part of this process, we have made the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming workforce by approximately 1,900 roles uh, out of the 22,000 people on our team. So it's it's a huge, it's still a huge studio, right? That's that's a lot of people to employ. And then probably what happened is, you know, you have, I don't know, the 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 higher like leaders of product or whatever, right? Like you had people that were involved with Game Pass and now you have all these other people that come from another studio that were working on product, but they were working on product for that specific studio. But now you don't really need, you know, 20 product managers. You probably need 10 of them. So I'm sure there's there was probably a bunch of QA people that got booted and, you know. They they essentially acquired a bunch of studios and now it's like, oh, now we have a lot of, Overhead. Some, oh, yeah, way too many people that we actually need. You're mm-hmm. looking at, you know, how much your games you're making, the development costs, what are your profits like? You have to kind of balance all that out. Plus, for sure, there's there to some degree there's uh, other forces at work. When you look at the, you just look at the the economy as a whole is going to affect how the studios affect, uh, like how they pay. Uh, you know, they're going to pay their employees. Is there a drop off to some degree in how many people are actually paying for your games and stuff like that? I personally, <laughs> I personally feel like, yeah. I mean, Starfield is is one thing. Actually, I wasn't even going to mention. What pisses I, me uh, off is that it's doing well. Anyway, keep going. Well, I what I think is that a this has to do with acquiring the studios, right? Like they were, they, they probably had this planned from the get go, 
acquiring the studios, yeah. they knew that they were going to have a set amount of people and they knew what they needed because they've already got their, their Xbox direct staff that are still overlooking these companies. And of course they're going to integrate a lot of those people that potentially have been there forever. Um, and apparently like this says people that played an important role in Activision, Blizzard, Zenimax, and the Xbox teams. So, these these are people that have been in the industry and and have worked for all these studios, and it looks like even even uh, some of the the Xbox people got got laid off. So I don't know. I think it's a a lot of it has to do with integration of acquiring the studios. I feel like this was bound to happen, um, but that doesn't um, fix the problem of this is now like the fifth layoff from companies and. I think that AI does play a small role in that. AI takes over some of what people have to do. Um, and it, I mean, it legitimately does. That's just the truth of it. Like, you know, the creative team or um, just working on assets for the game, you know, AI is able to help conjure some of that versus people doing it manually that they, you know, they no longer need to pay. Um, and yep. then we are also just in a place where. Video games cost too much to make. People are spending too much money on video games. You saw the Starfield stuff and how much money was put into that. Diablo 4, I'm sure, had a ton of money put into that. And it didn't flop, but it didn't do well. And it didn't bring the return. They, you know, shared their... Not, yeah. So, not what they expected. I guess, because I can... I guess it's like a, a, a similar comparison is you're maybe putting too much money into games you've got too much staff that you don't necessarily need to because some of the stuff i was i was uh, looking into it's not game but it's adjacent we look at a lot of uh, what's going on with hollywood where you put all these millions of dollars into these movies and they might as well be a flop because you're lucky to make make your money back and then i actually last night went back and watched the new uh uh the godzilla minus one yeah, the uh, the minus color. I didn't even realize. I didn't. This first time I, I watched the movie, but I was digging into that a little bit more, and it's like, hey, this movie which looked great and was probably one of the better beats of probably the most Hollywood movies I've seen in the last decade. Wait, plus. What, what was so it good? The Godzilla, Godzilla minus, minus world. world. Oh, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that movie which looked good at times, and it wasn't perfect if you look at the the CGI, but it was a really enjoyable movie and like a budget. You know, from anywhere from like ten to fifteen million dollars, compared to you know, you look at oh, Marvel made a two hundred million dollar movie. I'm like, well, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Is yeah, something like sure. that happening in the game industry where it's like gamers just want an enjoyable game, and you're you're putting a lot of money into it, but you don't necessarily need to put that much money into it, which just leads to potentially more more failure. If they you, don't allow the developers you, to be passionate about it right like it yeah. and this is what pisses me of off yeah well this is what pisses me off with the modern day game day gamers is you blame the developer which it's not their fault they don't make the decisions they can have the greatest ideas ever but if the you know if the stakeholders and the higher management say oh we don't want that it's not as profitable or that's not going to make us as much money long term they don't care right they're going to make what they want to make so it's sad. It's really sad. And also you got to consider, you know, while we'll stay on the topic on the topic of layoffs, you got to consider the boom that COVID caused for gaming. People mm -hmm. often don't think about it, but there's a reason why gaming has been 
in such a boom the last two, three years is because you had people that were stuck at home and yes, movies were booming and everything was going great, right? With the material that was ready, obviously. But then you got to consider the video games. Like you had already thousands, probably millions of video games that people are able to play that never played video games. And then all of a sudden they see those inflated numbers. They're like, oh shit, you know, we have all these new people coming into the space and it's going to be great. And then now the reality is hitting them where people are not playing video games as much. People are not creating as much content. You know, it's... It's a different. It's a different environment. They're, they're different not stuck age. inside like they were. So, like that was their 100%. that was their hobby. You know, then, that's what they did to sit and be entertained during that time. For sure. Yeah, well, I guess at that point, then it comes down to you have terrible management that can't see past the short term profit. That you can't think five, ten years down the road. Like maybe we should not jump the gun necessarily if this 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 growth isn't going to be sustainable. Obviously, if you if you could you know sit down and think about it. it's like this is lockdowns happening this isn't going to happen forever it's going to go back to what it was at one point just take the profit and you know maintain where we're at right now is what probably should, what they probably should have done i mean i i yeah. st- i stand on the hill that we we don't need games that are um that that, that take 10 million dollars to be developed we we honestly gamers don't Look at the indie releases. We've talked about it over and over. We don't need the games that have the the dumped ten million dollars into with uh, real actor portrayals and where they're spending you know a million dollars just to have some random actor in the in the game and then um, like stupid stuff where people people just don't care. They they care about gameplay. People care about gameplay and what's fun. You can look at some of the most played game. Look at Minecraft. That that game doesn't look good. People enjoy it. I mean, people just want good gameplay. You don't need that much money put into a game. And also, it's it's these companies just making these risky investments that they have no idea is going to for sure pay off. And in their minds, they're like, oh, this game is going to blow up. It's going to do so well. Diablo 4, as an example, this game is going to be amazing. Like, people are going to love this game. And, like, what QA testers did you have? Like, are they the QA testers just telling you what you want to hear? Like, what what is going on? I mean, Sadly, also, that's that's probably how it goes. Yeah, it, legitimately, that's how I feel. And also, we didn't even mention that the, the Blizzard president stepped down. He left. So Mike Yarba... He's an original co-founder. He he departed the company um, right along with this announcement. So, um, and they were they ceased the production of Odyssey, which is a game that we've known about for a while, a survival type game, and they completely ceased the production of that game. So, I mean that that that's not a good sign. I mean, you're you're stopping the production of a game that's pretty far into production, and you lose your president at the same time. <laughs> I think it's indicative of just where AAA gaming has been going the past, you know, past few years. Is you've you've seen it slowly decline, where it's just become less, more soulless. We don't care about the actual game; we just want to maximize profits. You get too much into the investor side of it, and then you don't actually care to, you know, make a game that your fans want. And then you put out a lackluster game that you spent millions of more dollars on, but your fans slowly after time just like, I'll go back and play your older game. Like I don't. I don't necessarily want to play this game or I'll buy it on sale or something like that. Well, uh, Kurgle, we talked about 
when Diablo 4 came out, like surprisingly, people jumped from that game over to Immortal, the game that was getting hated on. People were moving from that game to Immortal. Like I, I saw it and I saw tons of tweets about it. People actually going back to play a mobile game because they're like, man, this is this is garbage. Now we got this fleshed out game on mobile that we can play that at least gives us our, our fix and, um, you know, easy accessibility. And I'm sure there were a lot of um, uh, steam returns with with Diablo four, I'm, I'm sure. And and all that stuff. It's just craziness, man. It's just uh, the layoff stuff is really hard to. um it's really hard to pinpoint, but I think it's it's all of that in one, and uh, it just just continues to happen. And like Discord laid people off, and Riot Games laid people off, Behavior Act- Interactive laid people off. Unity was one of the other big ones. Thun- uh, Thunder and Unity, that that CEO messed up the whole company. Yeah, yeah, no, I no mean, doubt. The news that came out about you know them charging for downloads, like they they dug their own grave right there. It- I think as a whole, it just comes down to the economy is not the best. People want more money that they may, the companies may or may not have uh, because the games aren't selling as well. And then you potentially, the companies just hired too many people more than they probably should have to begin with. Let, let me ask you guys this. Factors. What? So, all right. At, as gamers, I would call us, you know, like super avid gamers. What do you feel like on the price increase on a game if it has all the content already on it? And I, I'm I'm looking back to the days of uh, Super Nintendo and NES where games are actually more than they are now. Like uh, Chrono Trigger launched at a hundred dollars then, which would be like one sixty now or something. Um, games launched at a higher yes, price then. I, I, here's one thing you got to consider. People bring this point up all the time. Like I used to pay X, X amount of dollars for video games, right? You got to understand that video games were not as popular. Video games were at a different point. They were in their early phases. There was new technology that was unfeasible to some companies. And these companies that made those games had to charge that much in order to survive, right? That's my view of it personally, right? Um, Nowadays, you have AI, you have all these optimized engines, you have uh, millions of dollars funneled into you through advertisement. You do not need to charge over $60 for a video game. I'm sorry. A lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I feel like there is so much more money in gaming in general that I don't feel like they can justify charging more for video games. Well, I mean, the standard is 70 now, regardless. Like, I went into GameStop today. I went in there to grab some promo stuff, and I was shocked to see. I didn't know this, but Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch is $70. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that on the Switch it was $70. Now... $70 is going to stay the standard. Like, there's no getting around that. That's going to be the standard for AAA releases, period. And we've even heard talk of of raising it to 80 for for the future. So, there's a a risk if you raise it too high, you're going to start seeing sales drop or people are going to wait until they can get it on sale. Because the other Nintendo, I mean, I already do that. (laughs) I was just going to say, because also, you know, 20, 30 years ago, Hardware cartridge costs were something you had to bake into that. Now, so much of this is straight digital. I'm like, it's not costing you as much to get these games to the customer. Yep. 
And especially when you look at the PC market, like how many people that play PC that have Steam, it's like, that's great. I'm not buying this game till it goes on sale. Like I'm not exactly. going to people price. When, that's if me. I wait long enough, I've got this big library. If I wait long enough, this new game in two years, I can get for like half the price. Like, well, and the, get all the DLCs and yep. the yeah. definitive edition. That, and that's game me. That's fixed. literally me. Exactly. I buy it day one. It's going to be buggy. I've got all these all these issues. I'm paying $70 where if I can get the game, it's fixed, all the DLC and on sale. Like it's why not? Why not wait? That's what I do. I mean, I've waited on two games that I've really wanted to play, which was Mortal Kombat 1 Street Fighter 6. I said, hey, I'll wait on a sale. I've already seen Street Fighter 6 drop down to 30. I'm waiting at that $20 price point and then I'll grab it. Um, That's where I'm at. And like. It's that way with physical and digital. I mean, you still do get the sales like on consoles. Like Xbox does really well with doing sales. They do sales every single week. Um, but not to the degree that you not, get Steam. Not to the degree of Steam. And that, that's that's the truth. You, you get them eventually. Yeah. And on top of that, you can you have even the other alternative marketplaces that you can buy games for Steam even cheaper, right? So I 100% agree. It's... I don't know. I think it's an ecosystem that works. Steam knows it. You know, you have items like skins that you can sell on the marketplace and buy video games. Perfect example, right? I bought $230 worth of video games and I didn't spend the dime on it. It, it was all from in-game items that I held on to for a couple of years. And I was like, hey, I always wanted to own the Dark Souls trilogy, Sekiro, um, Divinity Original Sin. Like, I just bought a shitload of games and I, I was like, it's not real... It's real money, but it's not money that yeah, it's mine. <laughs> you know, I, I do have I one negative games. I have to tell you about that. Um, Steam has DRM on their game, so you don't you don't own them. <laughs> Honestly, we can get into that topic next time. <laughs> we can talk about it well, at well, this point. Well, let's dive into your your new segment that you wanted to start the Steam sales because we're talking about Steam right now. So let's let's uh, let's dive into that. Okay, so for anybody that's looking for something new, um, there is a video game you can get for free on Epic. Um, it is called uh, Infinity Factory, and you can grab that. But we have... You, you froze there, Kurgle. <laughs> oh, now he's dark. Can you hear me? Yep, can hear you now. Oh, oh. he's out. <laughs> well then, uh, I guess we'll go yeah. ahead and transition to the the next one see if he pops in here um we've got new uh, i don't know what happened there we've got uh some new releases that i wanted to uh point out oh kurgle's back um we'll go ahead and continue through this real quick so we've got a game called graven that released on the 23rd we've got a game called how um that is playstation 5 series x that is on the 23rd as well so that's already out um immortality playstation 5 23rd um, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy, which um, got rated an 8.5 with Metacritic, and that came out yesterday. We got Grime that also came out yesterday. That's Switch only. Hidden Through the Time Myth and Magic PS5 Series X Switch. That came out yesterday as well. Um, Hitman Blood Money Reprisal Switch yesterday. Uh, Phantom Abyss that came out yesterday as well on the Series X and PC. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, which is a um, highly anticipated game. That came out today on PS5, Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And it got a Metacritic score of 8.5. And then, of course, we got 
um, Tekken 8, which got an 8.25. So that's on all platforms except Switch as well. So we can go ahead and dive back into your segment there, Kurgle. <laughs> Wanted to highlight those new <laughs> releases saying, for the week. Um, um, there is a video game you can grab for free. It is for PC. It's on Epic Game Store, and it's called Infinite Factory. Um, and then there is also Mordheim City of the Damned on GOG.com. Um, there are... I'm going to send this in the YouTube chat. Um, it's called gg.deals and there are some crazy good um, deals and discounts on video games that just released and some older titles where you can get insanely good uh, deals. And they have this section on the bottom left that you can see, which is called historical lows. Uh, so we'll show you actually uh, how much the games were discounted. Um, so you can grab some cheap video games uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know that there's these a few other websites like C- cdkeys.com and Kingwin uh, where you can possibly grab them for other platforms, but I'm not entirely sure. I do use Fanatical a lot, uh, which is a platform I... Oh, we lost him again. <laughs> oh, he's black again. Oh, man. I don't know what's happening there. Technical difficulties. Having a little, uh, having a little problems. We got Mark uh, leaving a chat in there. Finally, holy crap! I'm, I'm shocked right now. So, um, we have also got, um, highlighting obviously the the new games that came out this week. Um, are in, are you interested in that like a dragon game? I've got one of them. I need to get into this series, but it's such a hard series, and I've already got such a backlog of games. I'm kind of already on. It'll be a. I'll get to it eventually. Like yeah, five years, but like a what's it called? Like a dragon, or it's just Yakuza like a dragon is what it's called. That, well, that's, that's the apparently that's what it was technically called in Japan, but they yeah. when the translation way back when they just like hey, we're gonna call it this instead. Yeah, I like that they switched the name and they're still doing the um other style, the non RPG style games under a new title as well. So, which might still be just the I don't know if they. Or giving it a new title, or yeah, I don't know, I can't remember, but they're gonna stick with doing that that action adventure style as well. Still, with uh, they're doing like the split releases, they're gonna do the like a dragon as RPGs, and then do I I think they're still calling it Yakuza as like the action adventure beat em up games. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so that that that's cool stuff. Um, two two pretty big releases this week, I would say. Um, we've got also, um, one of the discussions, we had some viewer questions that I wanted to get to that I'm pulling up now. Sorry, guys. So we have got, um, what makes you decide what you're going to stream, record, or play at any given time? Is it based on new releases or things that you like or viewers, viewer submissions? That's the first question we've got. I forgot to add these into the notes. <laughs> so what what decides what you're you're playing if you're doing any sort of I guess content on it, streaming or otherwise, what what makes you uh decide what you're going to play is it is it the the community that that makes that decision? Is it you? Is it you know, is it a game that's just a new release or is it something you just want to play? Are you asking me? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Personally, I have had a really rough time with listening to others a lot more than doing what I want to do. And lately I've been doing what I want to do and I've been much happier and much more motivated to create content. So yeah, I have a huge backlog now and I kind of just, you know, after I finish one game, I look at my list again and I reprioritize if I'm in a mood for something else and I switch the order up and I kind of go from there. I think we might be getting raided in here or something. We got we got all kinds of people popping in. So we've, um, yeah, I, w- I would say um, th- just to hit a few comments, I guess, because uh, we, we're getting quite a few. We got um, Lucas, who's slave to the mind, dies. Says for the record, you can do that with PlayStation prices for consoles, referring to um, the sales. I think um, Carl said that that Graven game that we mentioned earlier looks like a Hexen style game, which is interesting. That's a throwback. I'll have to look into that. Um, Kurgo wants to throw his computer out the window. <laughs> um, he's, uh, Lucas also said the last two are not the same. They went to turn base with them, talking about uh, Like a Dragon. So, yeah, Yakuza games are good, and everybody wants to ban coffee. So, um, yeah, we're going to be, we got a coffee ban on this show, apparently. Um, also, for other questions, we've got. What are your interests in continuous releases in old series that have no new involvement or are the same as predecessors? That's a little confusing. I think they're trying to say games that don't get changed a lot from game to game. Maybe like maybe like a Street Fighter, like a Pokemon, or what, what's your guys' thoughts on games that do the like slight improvement with the new entry and have been around for 30 years. Go ahead. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If your fans like what you have and you just want to make the game look better, just little tweaks. Why, why reinvent the wheel of what you have is working. But what about Pokemon? Then you got to say, I'm terribly. So I I don't, I guess it depends on the, the series, right? I mean, like, I, I there, there's a lot of series like that where, like, I guess each entry just has like very, very minor improvements or changes. Like, you know, I'm I'm a Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter fan, but I would say that like, you know, Mortal Kombat 11 to one isn't like a massive change. I think it's like mechanics and you know, slight with graphics. But I I get what the what they're asking here. I I, I get it. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on the game and the series, honestly, for me. So, I mean, I guess the idea is, I guess you could you could always look at it this way, like, hey, we like this format, but if you want to try something new, try it, but still keep making the game in, in the old the old format. And the way I think of it is is in Metroid series, where it's always been a side scroller, with the Prime series, which is more like a spinoff. It's they went with the full 3D. I know it's a different era when it, they were, everything was going from 2D to 3D, more on the back end of it. But they still, you know, took a little while. They still have the 2D games, and they made Metroid Five, and there was still a, a very big fan base for it. So why not, you know, develop side schooler version of it for the people that prefer that version, and you could still dabble in the in the 3D version of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it just depends. We've got another. This one's a funny one. Targeted at one specific person. 
Mark, why did you leave us? Where have you been? I have missed you. And this is coming from a specific person that always asks about Mark. <laughs> just been busy. I haven't had time to do anything else between work and school. It's I don't have a whole lot of free time. So you didn't disappear into a forest and go camping for seven months, right? No, I just lot between work and, and, and doing school. It's just really been a really busy year and it's going to continue to be busy at least till the end of this year when I finish my degree. I feel it. Yeah, I finish in April with school myself. So I it, it's just nuts right now. Um, we got actually a question targeted at Kurgle. Kurgle, I've been interested in your content for a while. What makes you decide to do the style of YouTube videos that you do while you're mostly a streamer sharing your content on Facebook? Is it supposed to be funny or are you trying to be serious with your Let's Plays? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to be me. <laughs> it's, it's, as I said, I played video games semi-professionally. And I always wanted to, and I, I thrived in that environment for so long. But then when I stopped, I kind of continued down that path of esports, and I was miserable. And then eventually, I just said, I'm just gonna do what, you know, what I'm happy with, yeah. you know. And if you know along the way people would find it interesting, then great. If I end up, you know, not streaming to anybody or nobody watches my videos, that's fine too. Because guess what, I enjoy it. You know, so yeah, it's it's not supposed to be anything specific. Um, I just like having conversations about gaming, sharing my life, love for video games, and you know, I, I built a small community that enjoys it, and that's that's all I need. Yeah, you've got a you've got a good community of people. I I love to see it, and you're consistently um, putting things out. And um, we've talked before on the the content creator sort of burnout or um you know motivation sort of thing and a lot of that goes into like you said like you know, i i guess i didn't answer the question earlier that um if you listen only to the community then you lose enjoyment in what you want to do um it becomes 100%. it becomes at that point sort of like just a job like I love viewer requests and if it's something that I might be interested in and maybe have never heard of, like, sure, I'd love to check it out. Um, but I don't, I don't want to stream or talk about the same game, you know, over and over if I'm not having fun with it. Like, first of all, I just don't have the time. And if I don't enjoy a game these days, I, I just ditch it. Um, you know, I, I try to give every game some time, like, I gave Starfield for me more time than I felt like I should have four hours in. I, I knew hour one that I, I wasn't, it wasn't my kind of game. Um, You're not a lunatic like me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a lunatic. I can't, I can't do the, the playthrough all the way if, if I don't enjoy it. Um, but here's a, here's a non, it's kind of a non question. Uh, Mark Brandon, I really enjoyed watching the game awards stream that sort of thing is very fun where it's community involved and we can all watch something together and enjoy it. What did you guys think overall of everything that happened? And will you think, do you think that this coming year will be a better show? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you on the it better show. Games are announced. I, I only did. watch it for the game announcements. I'm not going to lie. I don't really 
Kind of like you think about the Oscars, the Game Awards. Like, like I don't really care what game wins. I'm there for new announcements. announcements. I, I I could care less for what actually wins what. We got I'm, very I'm good. Completely honest. We got, and I want to say thank you to to the guys that have been kind with the questions. Um, we we got. I think people enjoyed the most when we just started conversating over like the bull crap, the ads and like the stuff we didn't care about. That wasn't like an announcement. Um, that was, yeah. that was really interesting. So, and then we've got another question here asking, what is it? What is the best way to start a podcast or to get into content? If it's something you've never done in front of a camera or you've never been involved in a sort of video game space like that. Is it something that is worth still trying to do in 2024? Who wants to go? You can go. I, I mean, I'll just, I'll start. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's space for everybody. Um, it, it all depends on what you want to do. Um, it can be a competitive space, but what I say is don't make it competitive. Just do your own thing. Um, people will, other people will try to make it competitive. Um, and if you have not been in front of the camera, here's what you do. You throw yourself into a stream or podcast and you just do it. I, I swear that, um, my growth. So actually I got an email today about a TikTok video from one year ago today, and I want to share it after this. I shared it on, um, TikTok stories, the improvement of me speaking to the camera from then to now it's just massive. And what I just threw myself into it. I mean, Mark, like you, you, you had no experience either with the camera and we literally just threw ourselves into it. Like we just threw ourselves into the fire, into the lion's den. And, uh, we learned along the way, like we went through all the hiccups. We learned how to talk to the camera in an interesting way, um, how to be semi entertaining, whether you think we're entertaining or not. Um, you just learn. I mean, you just learn by doing it. And um, I think that kind of goes for most things in life. So if you have not been on video, um, just do it. And uh, I know, I'll know i tell you exactly what I did. Um, when I started, because I, I wrote for video game websites for years and years and years, and I intentionally stayed away from the video um, because I, I just... I, I was nervous and didn't want to do it. So what I did is I made like 20 test videos of me just talking to the camera about stuff. And I watched them back. I saw the points of where I was either boring or where I kept saying, um, or, uh, or, you know, like whatever those sort of filler words. Uh, and I just practiced. So, I mean, that's, that's what I did. So I, yeah, you guys go, I, I'm not sure. Oh, I mean, it's less about that. And it's more, I guess, more life in general. It's like if if you don't ever do something, you're not going to do it. Like you have to take that that first step and then you have to do something you want to kind of want to enjoy. Like if you're not willing to take any risk, there's going to be no reward. You're not going to get where you want to be. But also, if you do want to get somewhere like, okay, I want to get to this end goal. Like what are my, it kind of helps if something seems daunting, like break it down to the steps. Like what's the first step I got to do to get to this end goal and then slowly get there. And if things change along the way, or you decide to do something different. That's, that's great. Or you're like, all right, how do I do this better? I mean, YouTube's a wonderful tool. There's so much stuff on YouTube that I just like search on YouTube. How do I do this you know, type of thing? Well, I mean, it's, it's that way, like, you know, with the editing and like, we had no experience with anything with any of that. 
and it's just diving in. Like there's there's a lot of resources out there, a lot more than when the personalities of YouTube back in 2006, 2007 started, where they just started their own thing. The AVGNs, uh, the boogies, uh, the happy console gamers, like um, some of those guys still do the same format and are very successful. My favorite YouTuber, and and I talk about him all the time, is Happy Console Gamer, and his all he he's done the same style of videos from the beginning. He sits in front of his game collection and he just talks. There's little edits. Um, there's sometimes gameplay footage thrown over, but he just talks like literally just a conversation, not a bunch of cuts, not a bunch of you know switching stuff up. And you know, I I wouldn't say that that works so much now but when you're established and have been doing it for that long it does work but just try your own style and and do it mystically said in the chat he said it definitely takes time to build confidence yeah that's that's what i did not have in the beginning i i certainly did not have uh video uh confidence for sure and it was just just doing it um and, and being passionate about games knowing that i wanted to do it um i was passionate enough to uh, just dive in and start doing it. So the the start of the podcast came came from that, being passionate about it, knowing that hey, this is something I want to do. This is something that I care about. And um, yeah, I mean that that's that's kind of that. And we've got one more uh, viewer question, <clears throat> and they asked. Is there anything that you find yourself going back to with retro games or even games that came out in the last few years that have caught your attention and you're often thinking about? It could be a comfort game or something that you just really, really enjoy. Is it some, at What type of game is it and why do you think about that game that way? So for me... Um, I guess like speaking of like a comfort game... Like, I don't know. Um, for me, like, it's really easy to dive in and out of, like, King of Fighters or, or like, a SNK, like a fighting game, for, for one. Like, that's sort of a comfort game for me. I can just jump in and out. Like, I can play 10 minutes and be done. Um, that's what's cool about, like, the little mini arcade units. Like, you can play with a controller, just jump in and out of the gameplay. Um, but I, I think, like, if, if I'm talking about anything, like, semi-recently... Um, it would probably be, uh, I really like Donkey Kong um, Country Top Tropical Freeze. I re really like that game. I think it's a, just super fun, simplistic 2D side-scroller, again, that you can kind of sort of jump in and out of a level. And uh, it's like a beautifully designed game um, from Retro Studios that, that does Metroid. So, you know, there's a lot of polish and quality to it. Uh, it handles very well, and I, I find that to be a game that's easy to jump in and out of. So nice, yeah. For me, it would have to be um, Path of Exile. Um, it triggers something in my brain that you know there's a essentially a Diablo two clone that just did it well, um, and the game is still popular to this day. Uh, super complex. It is not beginner friendly uh, to some extent. Um, but then once you actually understand it and it's so comforting, you can just go and, you know, decimate monsters and just have fun with it. Um, but other than that, there's, you know, probably something that not a lot of console players can relate, but 
um, Counter-Strike, um, Surf. That's something that's always been relaxing to me. Uh, always loved surfing, putting in some good tunes and then just zone out and surf on a map. Um, it's been always fun. Those would have to be the two two for me that I can always go back to. Nice. See, it's not like one solid game, but a game that I can sit down and play for either ten minutes or for two hours. It's Rocket League because it's a really it's a, I, I enjoy it as much as I want to say it's relaxing, but I will rage <laughs> while I play that game. But I enjoy it, but it just it because you're all you're playing with other people. It can frustrate you at sometimes. You frustrate. It's very yourself. competitive. Yeah. I'm a competitive person, so I always find myself playing that game, but more like traditional. I don't know if you want to call it relaxing, but there's two games that I always find myself going back to playing. The first Mass Effect game, just because there's just something about that game from when I played it. I just really enjoy playing that game, and I'll usually play it at least once a year. Um, yeah. And I'll play the whole thing. And then I, I always find myself periodically going back to uh, playing Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Um, yeah, playing that game growing up. It's just a really relaxing game where it's just like there's no stress. Even if I'm playing like a scenario, I just build a theme park and just I might have a video or some music and just I'm just gonna build some roller coasters and maybe end the game by being psychopathic and drowning people in a lake or something like that. I expected um hearing Rocket League from you, but I also thought that you were potentially gonna mention uh Civilization two or Metroid Prime. Or even um, what was the other game that that you really? Uh, what was Those it? are enjoyable games. But I just don't play them to the same degree that I do because uh, usually it's I'm on my PC more often than not at this at this point. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of games like games like uh, like uh, Skyrim, Borderlands Two. These you know these are games I I always go back to and replay. Just not as much as some of the other ones. Like I've got like five games that I always find myself playing every at least once a year. Crazy enough. I, I remember when you came over that one night and we played uh the the handsome collection had recently released and yeah those are those are fun times so we i asked for any final questions in the chat we got a couple we've got uh evil tigs is asking if you can bring back any franchise from the 80s and 90s what would it be um for me I mean, it's. I guess it's still a thing to some extent, but um, Heroes of Might and Magic two, and Heroes of Might and Magic three, I feel like were such. I never understood them. I was always bad at them, but there was something so comforting about playing them. Um, they're just great fantasy RPG games. Um, I feel like they did a, an amazing job. I've got a couple myself. I would say um, 3D Bomberman, any, anything essentially. Uh, I guess I wouldn't be 80s and 90s, but that came out early 2000s. So besides that, um, Dino Crisis. Um, yeah, Jetters, like Jetters would have came out in like 2001. Well. 3D Bomberman, technically, you go back to the 64 with Bomberman 64. Yeah, yeah that's true. 3D, and that's, true. That, that would be a 90s game. True. Bomberman Hero. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I guess other than that, maybe just because I'm sort of nostalgic for it, although it's not like a great series, Primal Rage, probably. I really enjoyed that back in the day as a kid. Like they could, they could do that good now. Like who doesn't like dinosaurs fighting? I mean, everybody loves dinosaurs, so it wasn't it wasn't good then. Um, it doesn't hold up now, but I feel like that's something that could be 
refreshed, remade, and like it could be like Killer Instinct style, and uh, it's dinosaurs. So that's um, that's the answer for me. And we got what's uh, what's everyone's favorite RPG? Oof, that's a tough one. That's easy. Um, one. <laughs> Mass Effect. <laughs> uh, it's oh, no, funny. Not, because- not for me. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that game actually earlier because I only actually experienced Mass Effect for the first time last year and I played through That's the crazy. whole series. Yeah, yeah. I, I always wanted to play it, uh, but at the time I never had a good PC. Um, consoles were super, super expensive in Eastern Europe. So uh, Mass Effect was a really good experience to me. Um, but favorite RPG, like favorite, favorite, um, has to be Cyberpunk 2077. As much shit as that game gets, that's that, good. That was that was what I imagined whenever I would think about a sci-fi video game. Actually, I, this is a tough I mean, it's one. It's a good game. Deus it's a good X game. Series Deus Ex series is absolutely incredible. It's hard. I have like top five games that I can absolutely not rank. Well, you know, list the top you know, five because I was going to list more than one too. It's hard for me with R- yeah, RPGs well, me, in my Deus favorite Ex, genre. So. Deus Ex series. Deus Ex series, Mass Effect, um, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I feel like Red Faction was really good, even though it has it has its ups and ups and downs. Um, and then the fifth would probably be, I would say, I mean, our Red Redemption, Red Dead Redemption Two is is incredible. Um, that was a really good one. I, I would say those five are just insane experiences to me. I'm sure there's more. Actually, Baldur's Gate 3 is also... You see, it's hard. There's so many good games. There there really are. Good games. There really are. Mark, let's hear yours. Top one, just because... And it's been years since I've played it, but it just left an impression on my mind, and that is... Uh, of course, I immediately blank on the name. It's uh, a Chrono Trigger. Hands down. Okay. Best RPG. Best pick, story pick game one I've of mine. played before. Picked one of mine. Like, yep. I'm sorry, it's such a good game, but it's been years since I played it. It holds up just uh, as well. I've never played it. I'm so it's ashamed of myself. Ten, one of ten out of ten game. I I do enjoy Mass Effect, though. It feels like as the as the games go on, the story gets more and more crappier. Personally, but uh, one of the it's a game series I've recently just got into, almost about a year ago to date, and it was the uh, the 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 Trails games, Trail like, yes. especially Trails in the Sky. Like immediately just fell in love with the with, with those games. It's people, just the, the people JRPGs, love to see you stream that too. You yeah, I saw you yeah, enjoying that game. There's some about the Japanese games where the gameplay might be old or might not look triple A esque, but they're it's always accompanied by a really good story and really good writing. Yeah, that's, that's they tend to have really good music too. That's one one thing yeah. I noticed with JRPGs, and I never really got into them too much. I still haven't played any of the Final Fantasy games, and I hate saying that. Because I feel like a, I feel what? like an embarrassment to the to, to the gaming world. This no, is literally never, a it's... Final Fantasy podcast, and you never played. <laughs> to be I fair, played, I, I played Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, yeah, the um, the least Final Fantasy of them all. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll say this: the last two Final Fantasy games I played was Final Fantasy. Was it Type Zero, which I absolutely hated? Yeah, terrible game. And then then Final Fantasy. Was it uh, X or ten or whatever you want to call it? 10. I hated that game as well. Also, one of the worst ones. Dropped, dropped Final Fantasy as a whole after those. You games, pick, you so picked just... you picked the bad ones. Type Zero is a terrible spinoff, and ten is uh, of the mainline ones. Uh, 
10 and 4 or not 14 10 and 13 are usually generally like seen as like the worst in the series so uh you pick like, you pick two the of most, the bad games i've got the most recent one that i bought for i think ps5 but it's just been sitting on my shelf since i bought it just because the remake I mean, the, or rebirth or the newest final fantasy game not not the not the seven remakes are you talking about oh 16 sorry yeah yeah six yeah, it's, I, it's, I it's fun it. it's fun it's definitely nowhere it's not even in the top I ten discussion, but it's like a game of Game of Thrones game. There's a point where I was buying like a new PlayStation game every week, and it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I'll get round to them. Actually, I think I name the game now. All right, he's gonna grab it. I'll get and just start listing a couple of mine. Um, Chrono Trigger was one. All right, let's let's see what what's he got. What's he got to show us? No, it was a weird because I got it on sale. Apparently, it came out for forty bucks, and people hate it. But it was called a Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter. Which takes about four to five hours to beat, and it looks really cheap. But it's a weird game that I was like, "This is just a fun short game, like that I just randomly picked up." But I used to always go buy like essentially AAA type games, and I was like, "What's this weird? What's the cover look like? What's the cover? Oh my god, it looks so what you'd expect from a Japanese schoolgirl." I have seen that at the store. Interesting. Yeah, but it's not like a. It's not like a. Like actually, like a waifu game, right? It's like a, it's like a legitimate no, game. A bunch of schoolgirls, and there's a zombie apocalypse, and you're picking up guns around a school. Why well, either that? I've got no idea. Well, it sounds, it sounds like the anime game. that that me and you used, uh, a high school of the dead. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you can run around in your underwear if you really want to. Oh jeez, oh god, it's Japanese. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's a name for it, but it's it's one of those games. Man, we are popping in with the viewers tonight. I appreciate it, guys. Um, I'll go ahead and list my couple of um, uh, RPGs before we wrap up here. So, Chrono Trigger was one for me. Um, another would be Earthbound. Um, I think I would also probably pick Pokemon Crystal. Um, and what I was gonna say, it's probably my my all time favorite Pokemon game is the Gen two games. I think Crystal is probably the best. Yeah, they're my favorite. Like Pokemon designs, they brought in the the day night system. Like everything about those games are are good. Uh, and Crystal, like obviously perfected the silver and gold. Um, yeah, I would say like Pokemon Crystal, Earthbound for sure, which I would love to see a return of, but probably will never happen. Um, and then I, I think. This is this is tough with RPGs. This is a really really tough question. Um, oh gosh, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just so hard. I love so many RPGs. Probably like maybe Final Fantasy Legends Two on the GBA. I, that's mostly nostalgia speaking, but um, I really loved that back then. And then Secret of Mana on the Super Nintendo is. To me, a ten out of ten game as well. So, those would be secret mana games. Really good. There's a new one coming too. Remember the Game Awards? They announced uh, a new a new one, and it looks really really good. So, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and like hit a couple comments here. Mine are Lunar, Grandia, Morrowind, and Dragon Force. Lunar are very good games. I have not touched Grandia in years. I just want to make the comment. Uh, was it Dagoth Ur is the only true god? Put that out there. Well, okay, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, some JRPGs are good. God Eater I played now and again. 
Unpopular opinion. I liked Final Fantasy 13. Lightning was cute. All right. So we got a waifu lover in here. Mystically said, two is my favorite. And uh, yeah, so with that said, we will go ahead and wrap up this week's show. We had a lot of news. A quick recap, obviously. The layoffs are, are big news. And oh, we didn't. We quickly will hit this because I, I forgot and it was massive news. The Wii U and 3DS are losing their online functionality, period. They're completely being shut down. Servers are being shut down. So. All the games that are stuck on there and still people, I mean, like Kid Icarus Uprising still has a very active online community. Um, Splatoon 1 still has even Mario Kart on the Wii U. Um, my opinion is it freaking sucks. You lose all that online capability for those games. So it's, it's hard. How, how do you preserve online multiplayer? Like, like can you? Um, people bring up private servers, right? But it's the only way. It's the only way, and I don't know how feasible that is with Nintendo games. I, I, I can't think of a, a Nintendo game that's got a fan server. Um, myself, but yeah, people are sad in the chat. Uh, so that that kind of sucks. Um, I wanted to dive in that a little bit more, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and we knew it was coming. And Evil Tig says, Nintendo, why do you hate preserving games? Which is true. I mean, like, it sucks because, like, so many games are now... I, I forget the count of games that are on each of the eShops, but they are just going to be gone. Like, that's it. They're gone. Um, and those are people's legacies. Those are people's work that they worked hard for. Um, even the online multiplayer for games, those were people, you know, could have been somebody's passion project. Could have been somebody's life goal. We got Grumpy Bomber crying in the chat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it, it sucks. Like, but it, it was bound to happen. Like, we we knew it was coming. I am. I I will be honest though. I am quite shocked because the Wii um, online capabilities stayed on much longer during like the Wii U and 3DS life cycle. Actually, the Wii servers didn't shut down until right before the Switch launch. So. I think that that's a mixture of the popularity as well as the failure of the Wii U. But the 3DS yeah. did not fail, and in it, there's a lot of online games that people are actively playing. Um, but does that apparently not enough? Apparently, well, not it's enough. also probably a push towards the Switch Two. You know, sales. Yeah, they want and, they want everything. It's it's all profit driven, really. It yeah. is. It, it's it's bound to happen, and it's unfortunate. So. We are going to go ahead and wrap up episode 69. Next week, we are at episode... <laughs> nice. nice. I was waiting for it the entire episode for somebody to say it. So next week, we are not a nice episode. We are episode 70. So we will see you guys all again next week. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you all so much for the comments and having such a successful episode. Everybody have a great day, and we'll talk with you later. Have a good night, guys. Raw XD.